Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the FO News Show. My name is Kale Clinton. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jackson Roberts. Back from a Thanksgiving hiatus. Hope you all enjoyed your holidays. Back to tackle a whole bunch of NFL news. Jackson. Great weekend of football. Great holiday weekend. And now we're back to talking business. Now we're back to talking ball. That's what we should be doing. I mean, it was a it was a week in which I didn't feel caught up on the news because we weren't here to talk about the news. You know, great, great times with the family. Hope you and yours had a great time as well. But, you know, it's back to business and I couldn't be more excited because guess what? News turns on. News turns on last week and news has certainly continued on into this week. So we've we've certainly got some business to handle here. And it certainly churned on over the Thanksgiving break. A lot of stories to cover. Some bleeding in through Thanksgiving Thursday. But we will start with a story we knew would break at some point. Going into Cleveland. Deshaun Watson has officially returned from his 11-game suspension. And he will be starting against the Houston Texans this weekend. It's also report that at least 10 of Watson's uh, accusers are reportedly planning on attending the game. Uh, all of these accusers are those who have settled their current lawsuits with Watson. According to lawyer Tony Busby via ESPN, some of my clients asked to go. They thought it important to make it clear that they are still here and that they matter. Watson, who has not played football in 23 months, is replacing Jacoby Brissett, who after a bit of an up-and-down start, had really come into his own in Cleveland. Top 10 DVOA, 7th in QBR, put on quite the swan song in his final debut, leading an overtime victory against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tough way to see him go out, Jackson. Certainly has earned a, another starting job in the NFL come next year. Profoundly weird scenario, all of it from start to finish. <laughs> like, uh, like you start the bullet notes list. Okay, he's playing against his former team. Okay, the guy that's being benched for him was actually playing really well. Okay, ten people that you know accused him of sexual improprieties are going to be watching this game. Uh, and amidst all that, you have his head coach, Kevin Stefanski, saying, quote, I think Deshaun has the support of his teammates, has the support of his organization. Right now, his focus and my focus is on the Houston game. Whatever's going on the outside really can't matter to us. We've got to focus on doing our job. I mean, I guess that's the right mentality to have. But, boy, it's got to be hard to ignore all the noise, especially for a team that, you know, is four and seven pretty much out of the playoff race, but certainly still trying to treat these games like must wins. And it's kind of crazy to say, but like, this is a game that, you know, the Texans haven't won anything in forever. So you kind of are expected to win this game. And there's so much volatility going on, you know, practice this week and who knows how it's going to translate to the field. Who knows? Indeed. I mean, Watson has not played in nearly two years. It is fascinating to think like there, like there can't be a legitimate scenario 
where Watson comes out of the gate better than Brissett has currently been playing. Uh, I, I I recognize that probably in a system he gets a little bit of help that's more run first uh, behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and this offensive line. But given what he's had and just walking into a kind of one year, you know your job is going to end at a certain point once the suspension's up. I'm I, I'm genuinely impressed with how Brissett had played. And I can't imagine that going to Watson, no matter how he played in 2019, 2020, I can't imagine it's going to be better in his first few games than how Brissett is playing right now. Hey, I'm not going to go that far because if 2022 has taught us anything, it's that any preconceived notions of what quarterback play you're going to get from any one guy are pretty much toss them out the window. You know, Geno Smith didn't start in the NFL for six, seven years, and he looks like a top seven or eight quarterback according to our metrics and pretty much anyone who's been watching tape as well. So I don't know. I could see it happening, but I agree. I mean, Brissett performed well above expectations, especially of late. Extremely weird to head to the bench right after you just beat Tom Brady in overtime. Uh, the teams seem to have all sorts of positive momentum. At the same time, the Texans are about as good a matchup as you can get for an offense, for a quarterback. I mean, they they sort of have like a preseason roster out there on defense, so they should be able to kind of manipulate that however they want, win this game however they want, uh, which does make it even more sort of weirdly pressure on Watson is that, you know, this is an expectation that this game gets won. Uh, and, you know, the guy hasn't played football in 23 months. We will certainly see. It is certainly going to be the first uh, Texans game of the season that has any semblance of a must-watch status on it. So we'll check back in with those results and Watson's debut. Sticking with quarterback news, we move to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, Sunday Night Football, exits with a rib oblique injury. Jordan Love fills in, goes six for nine, throws a touchdown strike. Looks pretty sharp out there, moves well in the pocket, evades pressure, throwing on the run. However, Rodgers in the postgame press conference said he, he is going to try his best to come back from injury. Further news says he's gotten good reports. So looking to play this week. Jackson, is that the best decision? He's also playing with a broken thumb as well. Love looks pretty good. Packers season's kind of in limbo right now. Not much left to play for in a meaningful sense. Where are we at with Rodgers? From the Packers' perspective, it is, I think, objectively not in their best interest as a franchise for Aaron Rodgers to play through these injuries as opposed to giving Jordan Love a look. Now, I certainly understand from Rodgers' perspective, you know, him wanting to play, and he's certainly earned a lot of capital with that organization, but I think what needs to be going on is like a very serious long-term conversation. Historically, the Packers have waited until the offseason to have these conversations with Rodgers, but it needs to be happening now. Do you want to be here next year? Are you going to be our quarterback next year? Should we be trying to trade you? Uh, you know, even if he doesn't want to be traded, can he be traded? Uh, because I think these are all things they need to be considering. 
And you also don't really have the info on Jordan Love that you need. You know, I know he looked better in training camp this year. I know he looked better on the field Sunday night. A nine-pass sample size is not enough to say, okay, it's time to give Jordan Love the keys next year. When else are you going to find out? This week, Chicago, and they have a bye, uh, and then they come back against, I think, I know they already played Philly. Uh, They come back week 15 against somebody. (laughs) I should have had that in front of me. But three-week stretch where, you know, I I think it's time to at least see with Jordan Love. If he wins those two games, gets them to 6-8, and and they're somehow back in the playoff hunt, then that's a whole other conversation, whether Rodgers is ready to play again. But as it stands right now, I think they're losing out on a chance to see what they have in the young guy while also – it's hard to tell Aaron Rodgers no. So I think these these are difficult conversations, but conversations that need to be happening in the Packers training facility. Yeah, I think, first off, the Rodgers, like his exact quote is, I plan on playing this week. Mm-hmm. Assuming they're going with Rodgers, they're not going to actively bench the guy, despite the fact that he <laughs> career lows in passer rating, QBR, yards per game, uh, not thrown for a 300-yard game in over a year. The fact about him being traded, the contract that he signed this offseason, the five-year $150 million deal with an average per year value of $50 million is untenable. He is not the one that will be traded. He arguably... Like it, it is the most expensive quarterback contract in the league, sans Deshaun Watson. Hey, you never know, man. You know, any any quarterback can be traded if there's if there's desire on the other end. People are already linking him to the Jets for next year. It's possible. That being said, I I agree. I'm in the same premise that I agree on. At least see what you have at love. Because you've got to see what Love can do. Like, Love is the tradable quarterback here. Love is the quarterback with uh, one year left on a rookie deal. Still very much has value. I'm not saying he goes the way of Darnold and Mayfield to Carolina. But he's the guy with actual contractual value. Like, he's the guy that you could probably get assets for. Rodgers feels like, in NBA terms, a, a, a Westbrook contract a Chris Paul contract, something where you, because of performance, you probably had to attach assets onto to get people to trade for him. Like Rodgers is not performing at a level. I understand injury, but Rodgers is not performing at a level where you're going to mortgage future assets for a $50 million a year quarterback turning 40. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. I think the value of a former Super Bowl winning quarterback to a team that feels like it's a quarterback away can be greater than any of us ever expect. So I would not be surprised. And by the way, just to close the loop on where we were before, it is at Bears by week and then home for the Rams on Monday night. So what an exciting matchup that could be regardless of whether it's Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers. I think those are the two games where if you're serious about you know, the future of the franchise and wanting to know who your quarterback is and wanting to know who you need to get assets for in return. Those are the two games that Jordan Love should be playing. The, I was I was thinking this about the Rams Chiefs this week, where if you looked at the beginning of the season, uh, imagine hearing Rams Chiefs was a 14-point spread in favor of the Chiefs. Now it's like you're looking ahead to Rams Packers. 
Imagine hearing before the season that Rams, Packers, Stafford, Rodgers would just be a pretty big dud of a game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tough, tough way to go out. That's every Rams game at this point. There's a Rams-Broncos game on Christmas Day, like in, oh. a, in a standalone window that we're all getting hyped up for as well. Preseason predictions are not always present realities. <laughs> Moving on to the probably biggest storyline that is still yet to really come to fruition. We've got the Odell Beckham Jr. roundup. Three main teams being favored as the preferred landing spot for Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants, Bills, and Cowboys. Dallas has done by far the most outward courting of Odell of any of these teams. You have Dak perfectly laying out the usage of Odell in this offense in a press conference. You have Micah Parsons courting him via Twitter. Now, after an interesting story over the weekend where Beckham was removed from an American Airlines flight for not buckling his seatbelt and potentially being unresponsive, according to his lawyer, he was sleeping. Regardless of that story, the Cowboys remain, quote, full steam ahead, in the words of Jerry Jones. Sorry, in the words Actually, of Mike, Mike McCarthy. McCarthy head coach. Mike McCarthy, my apologies. Jerry Jones said his overall team compatibility, his judgment, his behavior is not an issue with him. It is with many. It isn't with him. He has no concerns about the plane story. That being said, he's planning on visiting the Giants first, Thursday and Friday. Von Miller, former teammate of Beckham's on the Rams, shared a Super Bowl trophy with him says that Odell will then visit Buffalo on Friday. Beckham then rounds out his little, I guess, recruiting visit, recruiting tour with Dallas on December 5th. There have also been reports that the Baltimore Ravens and Kansas City Chiefs are also in the hunt on Beckham. Jackson, this is (laughs) the hottest free agency tour I've maybe ever seen out of a player in the NFL. It is a spectacle. And yet nothing's come to fruition on it. Nothing at all. And the fact that it's going on actively mid-season where every week is another week where you're not getting production out of him, you're not sure when he's going to be, if he's going to be back to 100%. All of this is crazy. I also kind of don't understand these three teams being the finalists if we're really going to analyze it because the Giants seem to be headed the wrong direction. I understand they have no receivers, but regardless of how much situations may have changed, Odell pretty much forced his way out of the Giants a few years back. Then you've got the Bills, who, sure, from a roster standpoint, it makes perfect sense. Take a look at the Bills team cap space right now, Kale. Tell me if you think it makes sense, because right now I'm seeing $189,000 on the books uh, Buffalo has available to make moves. So, I don't know that much about Odell. I'm not saying he wouldn't play for $189,000, but I don't even think that's legal. Uh, so not not necessarily seeing a fit there. Uh, so to me, the Cowboys seem like the one. I question why the Ravens aren't more in on this sweepstakes. What's going on there? 
Uh, maybe even a couple other teams you could throw in the Niners, the Chiefs, et cetera. But I, I think of the three, the Cowboys by far make the most sense to me. I see the path forward for New York because I get what you're saying about Odell potentially forcing his way out. Uh, that was with Dave Gettleman at the helm. I think Eli Manning was still the quarterback while he was there, or it was first year of Daniel Jones. They now have a head coach in Brian Dable who is getting six and seventh round picks open at receiver. They are down to uh, giving their six wide receiver uh, legitimate starting reps. Uh, they are what like one astronomically banged up at the pass catcher position to still very much in the hunt of the NFC playoff picture in the wild card in a virtual tie with the Dallas Cowboys. We're very much on the rise. Not um, true, but go off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One game back uh, and lost both matchups. Definitely. Not oh yeah. Oh, I, I listen. It was a long Thanksgiving completely <laughs> blanked out the second matchup against Dallas. Uh, yeah. Regardless. Okay. <laughs> New York has the cap to make it work. Dallas certainly is the cap to make it worth over $6 million. I don't get why Baltimore's not more in this. Uh, they currently have a receiving core of 35-year-old Deshaun Jackson, Devin DuVernay, who is a solid wide receiver two, playing wide receiver one minute, and Demarcus Robinson, who prior to this season uh, was a capable receiver who served as a fifth pass-catching option on a volume-heavy Kansas City Chiefs roster playing behind the likes of Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and a combination of Sammy Watkins and Miko Hardman. I don't get why Baltimore's not more in this. Hard to I can say. see a path forward for New York maintaining relevancy. I think he probably ends up in Dallas just off of pure courting alone. If Buffalo can make it work... It will be very interesting to see. I, I mean, listen, the Saints are sixty million over in cap every offseason, and they find a way. To, they find a way to sign players. They added Tyron Matthew this offseason. I can pretty confidently say that in any case, Buffalo can make an extra mill or two freed up in space if they're going to have the chance to add Odell Beckham Jr. But there is some concern on personnel where, like, oh, does that bump? Uh, Stefan Diggs permanently into slot. Is that taking away repetition from Gabe Davis? Interesting predicament there for Buffalo, but I think he'd probably be best served there. I'm not sure, but I mean, it might help Gabe Davis as well. I mean, Gabe Davis is getting covered like a wide receiver too. After the postseason last year, it looked like he was ready to step into that role. There have been games this year where he's exceeded that role. There have also been games where he just kind of hasn't been relevant in the passing game. So if this opens him up even more, you know, maybe he's maybe he's not getting the same target volume, but maybe he's more explosive. Like he has shown the potential to be uh, in games like the Steelers game this year, or certainly the Chiefs game in the playoffs last year. The fascinating thing to me is that while one source from NFL.com with direct knowledge of Beckham's rehab says he's been fully cleared of the ACL surgery. The biggest question mark to me is that between previous comments that Jerry Jones has made, 
current comments from people in the Giants organization. No one's really heard anything about Beckham's knee, where he is 10 months removed from an ACL tear. Very suspect. He was also, I mean, he was so good down the stretch last year. I think that's another thing that maybe people are forgetting or, or at least not. Like, I, I, I feel a sense of burnout around the entire Odell sweepstakes season-long story, and I get it. You know, I, I understand that we haven't seen this guy in 10 months, and, you know, there's stories coming in not just about who's pursuing him, but the, you know, the off-the-field stuff as well this past weekend. But he was really good down the stretch last year. And before he even got hurt in the Super Bowl, he caught the first touchdown of the game. So there is definitely an impact to be there if he can return to be the guy he was last year. I certainly hope so. I will say playing on MetLife Stadium is probably the worst thing for us. No, don't go there. (laughs) going down, don't go there. Circumstance aside, that playing surface alone should be a big red flag for Mr. Beckham. Moving on. Kansas City Chiefs. Still in the running for Odell, but make a bunch of moves to their practice squad of pretty solid former pros. Add running back Melvin Gordon, who was formerly cut by the Denver Broncos after suffering from a bit of fumble trouble. Still leads the Broncos in total rushes on the season. Also is third on the Broncos in total targets this season. Chiefs signed wide receiver Brian Edwards, formerly 764 yards with the Raiders over two seasons. He was the fifth in target share in 2021 for the Raiders. Joined the Falcons this season to little production. Chiefs also had defensive tackle Brandon Williams, who spent eight years with the Ravens, went to the Pro Bowl in 2018, was in a similar situation to Ndamukong Sue and Linval Joseph, where he was looking for the right situation. Chiefs add a big run stopper to their defense. Jackson, an incredible amount of professional, playable level level depth to add to an already loaded roster. Yeah, this is the time of year every year where all these guys start to get pulled in to good teams to try and make a playoff run. And I end up thinking like, how is it possible that these guys can just learn the system in three days, four days, but somehow they manage to do so. And a lot of the time they end up making an impact. So good on them. Good on the chiefs for bringing in all this veteran talent. I know uh, Isaiah Pacheco's made a big impact in the running game the past few weeks. Not sure if Melvin Gordon is the guy you bring in to be your pass catching back, but he does have a lot of career receptions in general, so that could be a possibility. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still not a factor. Then you look at Williams on the defensive side of the ball. I, I don't really know what Edwards brings to the table. I'm just going to be honest, but you never know. Um, Williams, I think, is a big addition. I think there's there's serious potential there. Um, you know, his, his career stats don't blow you away, but that's kind of just because he's a non-stats defensive tackle. He's 335 pounds. He's literally just a lane clogger. Uh, And I think that's something that they can definitely use at the moment uh, because they've, I don't want to say been getting gashed in the run game, but it's certainly been a defense that struggled historically and this season in general uh, to protect against the run. Should be noted, Clyde Edwards-Elair is on injured reserve. So Melvin Gordon could be activated in the coming weeks. 
to bolster that roster. Miko Hardman also in the same situation as well as Justin Ross. Jackson, the funny thing to me is that this is a practice squad pretty full of pro players on top of Edwards, Gordon, and William. They also have uh, former Brown and Patriot Danny Shelton, nose tackle, Mm. as well as former Seahawks safety Ugo Amadi. I, I guess that just goes to show how truly talented of a roster the Chiefs have put together hasn't always come to fruition. But I guess when you've got as deep of an offense as the Chiefs have and a pretty varied off uh, defense in the Chiefs that has performed somewhat up to standards but is sitting around league average right now, I guess that's the kind of talent you can add at discount when you're as dominant as Kansas City is. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the whole game, right, is depth and veteran presence and being ready for the postseason by any means necessary. Uh, Kansas City, I mean, they're 18th in run defense DVOA right now. You don't want to be satisfied with that going into the postseason. 18th in overall defense DVOA. Not many playoff contenders behind them in those rankings, so – a lot of things you can clean up, a lot of things that can be improved just by having veterans in the locker room. I think uh, I'm really excited about that Williams uh, addition for them. Moving into our injury roundup, which will race through. Start in Cincinnati. Jamar Chase is expected to play versus Kansas City. However, Joe Mixon still in concussion protocol. Jamar Chase completes an electric trio of young receivers in Cincinnati, comes back just in time for a loaded matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs in which Joe Burrow is 2-0 currently. Joe Mixon still absent, being filled in for by Samaje P. Ryan Jackson. Can I remind you all of Jamar Chase's stat line against the Kansas City Chiefs last year? Because I think it's worth remembering. AFC Championship game, six catches, 54 yards, a touchdown, certainly a nice impact. Won the AFC Championship, got to a Super Bowl, caught a touchdown. That is all well and good. If you think back to early January, week 17, Jamar Chase has against Kansas City 11 receptions, 266 yards, and three touchdowns in the game where he essentially said, no, Mac Jones, you are not winning Rookie of the Year. That is my award. Jamar Chase could not be coming back at a better time, and I doubt he could be more excited to go up against anyone but the Kansas City Chiefs, the team that everyone is back to calling the number one team in the AFC. I don't want to say people are writing off the Bengals in this matchup, but certainly having Kansas City favored on your own home turf is bulletin board material. Also, what T. Higgins has done during Chase's absence is awesome especially the past two weeks since they've come back from a bye and had a chance to really incorporate him as the wide receiver one in this offense. He's had 262 yards over the past two games. He's fifth overall in wide receiver DVOA and sixth in DYAR this season. So you add Chase back in with a blossoming T Higgins. Tyler Boyd's still a good wide receiver three, well above average there. I mean, with or without Joe Mixon, this is going to be an offense that can keep up with the Chiefs this weekend. Uh, And I think Adding in Mixon would only be the cherry on top. Moving on to Philadelphia. 
C.J. Gardner-Johnson, cornerback for the Philadelphia Eagles, out indefinitely with a lacerated kidney, went down early in the first quarter against the Green Bay Packers. Been transcendent for the Eagles since they acquired him from the New Orleans Saints. Leads the league in interceptions with six. Leads all members of the Eagles' secondary and tackles for loss, two contributing to the run game. Also on pace for the second most passes defended in his career. Philadelphia currently ranks second only to Dallas in defensive passing DVOA. Season might not potentially be over, but a tough loss for the Eagles in that secondary. That hurts. That hurts really bad. The primary replacement uh, at, for, at the free safety position looks to be Reed Blankenship who, of course, people will remember for uh, deceiving Aaron Rodgers and picking him off in his first uh, major NFL action. Uh, Blankenship had played exactly two defensive snaps in the NFL prior to the Gardner-Johnson injury. Uh, People will remember the interception, but I personally will also remember him getting cooked uh, by Christian Watson on the long catch-and-run touchdown. So certainly uh, a lot of improvements to make for Blankenship, especially to step into that Gardner-Johnson role. Uh, it is also worth noting, Kale, Eagles have designated Jordan Davis to return from IR this week. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play in that matchup against the Titans on Sunday, but, you know, good health news at least to be had in a week that otherwise has some bad health news for this Eagles defense. Listen, Blankenship deceived me as well because <laughs> I still remember NBC showing that uh, uh, just a cinematic version of that interception and in frame. Blankenship kind of like sneaks in underneath the receiver. Uh, speaking of deception, uh, I still can't believe that the only play action that they ran with Jordan Love uh, was immediately bit on, went for a touchdown uh, on a leak route to Christian Watson. Uh, the Jordan Davis is good news, opens up a 21-day window for Davis to return. All of a sudden, they now have a pretty stout defensive interior with Davis, Linval Joseph, and Dominican Sue. Is that a um, size comment, Kale? Those are some big boys. <laughs> size does matter in this situation. Clogging the holes in the interior. Hopefully, that brings the defensive run DVOA up a little bit for Philadelphia because it's been an Achilles heel for an otherwise great defense. You know what would be nice to have him? Derrick Henry's coming to town this weekend. That would be a good time to break out the Jordan Davis. Would have been good, but at least he's on his way back to good health. Sad news in Atlanta. Kyle Pitts, done for the season, officially undergoes surgery for an MCL tear. Pitts broke the news himself via social media. Further reports from ESPN's Michael Rothstein note that that will finish his season. Torn MCL against the Chicago Bears in week 11, just under a week ago. The decision to undergo surgery will end the season, but will make sure that he has little to no restrictions come 2023 OTAs. Pitts, second among Falcons receivers in targets, but his efficiency very much down. DYAR fell from ninth in the league in 2021 as a rookie to 30th in the league this year among 38 qualified tight ends looking to replace him with a combination of Parker Hess and Michael Pruitt. Hess has played more snaps than even Pitts himself this season, but Pruitt 
has seemed to be the offensive addition for Atlanta in recent weeks, generating the majority of his production this season since week nine and finding the end zone in week 12 against the Washington Commanders. Pruitt currently has as many touchdowns this season as Kyle Pitts did in 11 weeks. Still a very, very tough loss for Atlanta watching the unicorn go down. Tough season for Kyle Pitts. Uh, I'll bring in one stat uh, about how tough a season it was for Kyle Pitts. Uh, according to Mina Kimes, the average quarterback throws 15% of their passes off target. The quarterback in the NFL this season with the worst rate at the time Pitts got hurt of passes off target was Davis Mills, who was at 22.3%. Uh, when Mariota this season specifically was targeting Kyle Pitts, he was off target 26% of the time. So what are you supposed to do in that situation when your quarterback is literally worse throwing to you than any other quarterback is at throwing to anybody else? Uh, now the injury is just another setback for this offense that was supposed to be pretty explosive. We wondered how the quarterback situation would work itself out. I don't know if we'll ever get to a point where it's, you know, let Desmond Ritter cook, but you know, this is a team that's half a game out in the playoff race, and yet they seem to have completely been written off, uh, and I'm, I'm feeling like there might be good reason for that. Most likely, probably finishing out the season with Mariota just to give Ritter some time to develop. We'll see. But whoever starts a quarterback next year, it'll be good to have a full-strength Kyle Pitts ready to attack the NFC South. Moving on to San Francisco, Elijah Mitchell goes on IR for a sprained MCL, a different MCL than the injury suffered in week one. More than 50% of running backs return from MCL injuries after three weeks, according to our injury data. However, I can understand if the 49ers probably exercise caution with Mitchell, considering this is his second MCL injury in both his MCLs in three weeks. Previously missed about a month and a half in the early season. Had ended up taking lead back responsibilities over Christian McCaffrey, at least in the run game. And was performing very well for San Francisco. Had he qualified, would be a top three running back by DVOA. Man, you, you want to be careful with the second sprained MCL. That's what I've always been told, at least. The first one, you know, three weeks is fine. The second one, you want to do six to eight. Uh, I don't know. This is uh, a 49ers offense that we all are, are eager to put all of our trust in. And yet, you know, Mitchell had been playing a big role. Now he's down. Uh, Debo Samuel's health still in question. Christian McCaffrey reportedly dealing with some knee troubles as well. Uh, a lot of question marks for a 49ers team that, you know, people have pretty firmly established as a top NFC contender. Uh, they did grab first place in the division from Seattle uh, this this week, but certainly a tough matchup with Miami coming up while Seattle gets to play the Rams. So still very much a race for the NFC West that they're going to want to hold on to. And gosh, it'd be nice to have all your, all your pieces healthy uh, in order to make that playoff charge. Behind Christian McCaffrey are Jordan Mason and rookie Tyrion Davis-Price, who have both separately missed time to injury this year. Uh, 
for a team as injury riddled or as consistently uh, snake bitten by injuries as the 49ers, I am still surprised that their answer to upgrading their offense was getting Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and now they just can't have any sort of injury luck no. in their running back room. Wouldn't be allowed. Um, look for it to potentially be a big George Kittle weekend as the Dolphins are allowing the third most fantasy points against tight ends. Uh, there is also certainly Brandon Ayuk to continue to trust in. So lots of pieces still, you know, healthy and ready to go for this 49ers offense. Uh, but you, as you said, you know, Mitchell had taken over lead back duties and he'd been doing very well in that role. Moving on to another snake bitten franchised by injury at least in present moment doesn't quite have the track record of san francisco but still chicago bears plays darnell mooney and safety eddie jackson on ir it's an ankle injury for mooney that will require surgery eddie jackson goes down with a foot injury mooney was by far the team's leading pass catcher only receiver that had qualified for DVOA. Jackson was third in the league in interceptions. Had four interceptions, two forced fumbles, and six defended passes for the Bears. This also comes amid a murky, murky injury report for quarterback Justin Fields, who's considered a game-time decision this week against the Green Bay Packers, I believe. Chicago, uh, Chicago, by the way, reported that Fields, following his dislocated shoulder injury, that Fields was either a week-to-week or season-ending injury position. Tough sledding <laughs> for the Chicago Bears. Not only losing their pa- uh, best pass catcher, not only losing one of their best defensive backs of the season, still very questionable whether they'll have their emerging star quarterback in the near future. Yeah, you look at the Bears defense that started the season compared to the Bears defense that exists on the uh, official ESPN depth chart now, it is concerning. Uh, You started the year, you know, obviously Eddie Jackson was there, Roquan Smith, still their leading tackler. Uh, You started the year with veteran Robert Quinn, um, early second round pick Jaquan Brisker, who may return this week from his concussion, may not. Uh, If he's not there, you're looking at, you know, undrafted free agents like Jack Sanborn, uh, some names that even the diehards of diehards wouldn't necessarily recognize as, you know, starters or second stringers. Uh, Taco Charlton's worked his way back into a reserve role for this team on the defensive line. Um, yeah, it's it, the, the number of IR stints that this team has undergone can rival just about anyone. And when you factor in them trading away most of their top end talent on the defensive side of the ball, it's really hard to see how they're going to stop anyone for the rest of the year. Should be noted that Sanborn has stepped up in a major way, the UDFA. Uh, I believe it's at least 23 tackles in the last two games uh, as a UDFA. Stepped up in a major way since the loss of, or I guess, uh, exodus, the jettisoning of Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. But yeah, now it makes sense why Aaron Rodgers wants to play this week against the Bears. 
because they don't really have a secondary or second level of the field. Also, should be noted that currently on the Bears roster, uh, this is with regards to Mooney, no one of Chicago Bears remaining wide receivers have more than 14 receptions with the team this season. Uh, since the only one, uh, the only exception with a bit of an asterisk is Chase Claypool. Since being acquired in week nine, prior to that, had 32 receptions with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Since the acquisition in week nine, has seven receptions with the Bears. They have six receivers on the listed depth chart right now who are not injured. It is a wild list. It is midseason acquisition for second round Chase Claypool. It is Byron Pringle, who we all forget signed a contract richer than Juju's this offseason. It is Velas Jones, the 25-year-old rookie sensation. It is Nikhil Harry, the younger than Velas Jones, very much not rookie sensation. Uh, Equinemia St. Brown is still there. And then, of course, Dante Pettis is there. How could we forget? It is a crazy wide receiver room. Moving on to lucrative, staying on the topic of lucrative wide receiver contracts, Los Angeles Rams wide receiver Allen Robinson undergoing season-ending foot surgery. Rams signed Robinson to a four-year, $46.5 million contract this offseason after trading uh, Robert Woods to the Tennessee Titans. Was on pace for a career-low 33.9 yards per game on 52 targets. Robinson's negative 5.8 DVOA ranked 40th among 58 qualifying wide receivers. Jackson with Robinson's season over and Cooper Cup still on injured reserve. Their only remaining wide receiver on the roster with more than 10 receptions this season is Ben Skoronek with recently activated Van Jefferson catching a second best nine passes in his last three games. I've heard of Super Bowl hangovers, Jackson, but this is ridiculous. Everything is fine, meme. The Rams roster. Uh, wow. Robinson. Nice verbal meme, Jackson. Yeah. Right, I'm good at them. Robinson. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure how much this team would be different for the rest of the year with Robinson moving forward. Uh, if there's any, any remainder of hope that you might see Matt Stafford again this season. I don't know why you would bring him back to throw to nobody to be blocked for by nobody uh, to have a murky running back room. Um, this, this is, I mean, the season's been over for the Rams. It's been, you know, banners fly forever. This is the ultimate example of that. Like we mortgaged everything to get you the one title. At least we got it for you. Uh, and I think Rams fans, um, would should and hopefully will be grateful for that but it's in my estimation going to be a while before you see this team recover from the hole they've dug themselves from a roster from an asset standpoint moving forward we'll say it is an admittedly very tough break for Allen robinson who has never really had like going back to college has never had a true quality quarterback and the year he gets paired up with Matthew Stafford, uh, all of a sudden they don't have an offensive line to work with. Uh, Stafford sustains two concussions, which now I also understand why you wouldn't want to bring Stafford back from that. 
once you get the second in rapid rapid succession, gets a little bit scarier to bring him back, especially behind this offensive line. Very tough to justify it. I still have a bit of faith in in Robinson potentially coming back. However, it's getting pretty tough to justify that given the season. But hey, signed a contract for the long term. For better or for worse, they've got him there. Hopefully, some recovery time, some additional time to learn the offense, gel with Stafford, will give him the opportunity to return to his heydays in late Jacksonville, early Chicago era. Yeah, I mean, he's set to make 18 mil next year, but he's a $28 million dead cap hit if you let him go. So I think he's coming back. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Especially on that money. Closing out the show with our Thursday night football news. We've got Pat's Bills. AFC matchup. Let's start with New England. Damian Harris struggled with injuries a lot this season. Out again with a thigh injury. He's considered week to week. According to Patriots reporters, was in immense, immense pain during the game. Had to request a separate pair of football pants because his was originally too tight. Snap share as well. Significant decline amid the emergence of one Ramondre Stevenson in a contract year for New England as well. Has been somewhat productive and somewhat efficient as a runner when available. But just a tough season injury-wise for the former Alabama running back. It's tough when you bring in a Ramondre Stevenson, right? Like, Damien Harris looked like a perfectly capable lead back for this Pats team for a couple years there. I think Stevenson, they're finding, just brings them, you know, more physicality, more versatility, uh, can catch the ball more out of the backfield. Harris has never been much of a pass catcher. Uh, mm-hmm. So you've just seen him continue to assume more of that bell cow role. But as you alluded to, you know, FO metrics still quite like Harris. He's 78 DYAR, 13.6% DVOA, which would rank him in the top 15 uh, if he qualified. Obviously has missed a lot of time this year. But yeah, I mean, you've just seen Stevenson really eat into his role because there's a lot to like with a guy like him. Uh, and you, you know, there's only so many, so many snaps to go around and, and you've just seen him kind of end up on the wrong side of it. And you just hope he can get back healthy and start to earn himself some of those snaps back and earn himself a bit of a contract, whether that's new England or elsewhere. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably say at this point, leaning toward elsewhere, considering mm-hmm. just the pure depth that new England seems to consistently have at the running back position i mean if we've learned anything over bill belichick's tenure he does not pay running backs that's just a thing that does not happen does not pay running backs and churns them out like they're a dime a dozen shout out to jonas gray Mm. moving on to players belichick absolutely loves (laughs) linebackers patriots sign linebacker and special teamer jelani tavai to a two-year extension worth 4.4 million dollars has been asked to step up in new england's turnover at the linebacker position and has certainly delivered currently third 
among linebackers on the Patriots in total defensive snaps played has played 70.7% of special teams snaps as well. An incredibly versatile player and a player also pretty consistent with uh, why New England has been so good uh, for so long defensively. Just those lower, like mid to lower level contracts of depth players that Bill Belichick seems to consistently churn out. Not the biggest household name, but someone that certainly makes a difference in New England. Was a second round pick out of Detroit, waived in 2021, and and has had a bit of a career resurgence with the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised by that. You talk about habits that Bill Belichick has formed. I think the number one habit in terms of the defense has always been taking guys off the scrap heap from other teams, especially guys who were former high draft picks who just kind of never lived up to the hype, uh, taking them out of systems that maybe were or weren't beneficial to them and and finding a role for them and turning them into very productive players. Uh, you know, Clearly, Matt Patricia had a liking for Tavai because he – you know, Matt Patricia leaves the 2020 offseason. Tavai's still there. Tavai gets cut before the 2021 season. By then, Matt Patricia's back with the Patriots, and he says, come on over. We got we got a spot for you. Uh, and obviously, they've coached him up and turned him into a very versatile, productive guy. So hats off to Tavai, and, and good on you for earning that bag. If that is the case, one of the few positive reports out of Detroit Lions players from the Matt Patricia tenure. <laughs> Moving on to Buffalo. Von Miller goes down with an injury during the Thanksgiving game against the aforementioned Detroit Lions. Carded off the field. Luckily, avoids ACL tear, but suffers a lateral meniscus tear, which is a uh, very complicated injury. Could require surgery. Could not. Could be played with a brace could not. Miller himself called it not the best of news, but definitely not the worst of news. Currently labeled out indefinitely. However, Miller on his podcast said he feels like he could play through it. Will get reevaluated in one to two weeks and has set a personal timeline for week 14 against the Jets. Jackson, Bills avoid a Major, major loss. Not quite out of the woods yet, but at least some hope that Miller will be able to play sometime this season under his own power. Yeah, it would be insane if he were able to play, if he were only going to miss one game and were able to play in that Jets game. Uh, I think you do reevaluate it week to week. If you if you win without him, you keep him out. They are still obviously hoping to both win the division maybe still have an outside chance at that first round by. They do, of course, have the tiebreaker over Kansas City in that regard. Uh, but at the same time, you need Von Miller as healthy as possible when the postseason rolls around. That's what we've talked about with Buffalo all season long is literally nothing else matters but being ready, fully loaded, and able to play your best football when January rolls around because we all know what the history is with that team in January, and we know – their expectations, especially being labeled the preseason Super Bowl favorites by everyone, including us. Uh, and certainly Miller has made the impact that they've hoped he would 
leading the team and tied for 12th in the league uh, with his eight sacks and fifth among all NFL linebackers in pressures this season with 40. There's not really any room for Buffalo to really like, not quite rest them, obviously, but like even take it cautiously because of just how contentious the AFC East has been. Like if he returns for that Jets game, Jets have the leg up right now with the earlier upset against Buffalo. They've got Miami, you know, in a virtual tie with Miami having the game up as well there. They need as much as they can get out of Miller right now. If they're to go 0-3 in the division after losing this Patriots game, that would be stunning. And, you know, they are favored, certainly, even though it's in New England, but anything can happen here. And it is a questionable roster, at least, for this Thursday game because the Bills are going through a bit of an injury bug right now. And if you look, I mean, look at this injury report on its face. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of names, a lot of important names on there. This is a banged up team. Currently, the injury or the uh, illnesses do not help. Demar Hamlin, Dane Jackson, Jaquan Johnson, Quentin Morris, and Khalil Shakir all out with illnesses or have missed some practice time this week with illness. Should be noted that Stefan Diggs and Taiwan Jones are also labeled as veteran rest, not practicing on Tuesday, which lengthens the injury report a bit. This isn't the first illness bug that Buffalo has had this season either. Uh, had an earlier stint of sickness earlier in the season, believe in the month of October. Buffalo catching a... I guess not quite a short week because they're going from Thanksgiving to Thursday night football, as are the Patriots. We can't really catch a break here. Illness is tough. Like that's that's something you can't control at all. McDermott addressed it in his press conference this week. Simply he said, It's out there, right? Families have it. These guys are human beings, so they pick it up sometimes too. Maybe we don't always think of it that way, but it's like, you know, they went home, they had turkey after the game on Thursday. They got sick. That's tough to foresee, tough to deal with. And uh, we learned from A.J. Brown this week that playing through sickness can deliver some nasty effects, even if it doesn't necessarily show on the stat sheet. Uh, Watching A.J. Brown say he lost seven pounds this week and then played with uh, major blood vessel poppage. That is definitely the proper verbiage there in his right eye. So there's, there's, there's a lot to be concerned about with this Buffalo roster. And yeah, you're right. Even though it is not technically a short week playing on Thursday, as opposed to Sunday does not help in any regard. Listen, I, if I was, if I was playing on Thanksgiving uh, as a winning team, I just wouldn't touch that TV Turkey. I know it's tradition. I feel like that has some, some sort of bearing in all of this. I know, I know. McDermott that wasn't even that. the TV Turkey game. Was it? There's all they're all TV turkey. They all have TV turkey. I only Every pay attention to the Sunday night TV, TV turkey. turkey. I'm sorry. That'll do it for <laughs> us at the FO News Show. After we Whoa, shout out our lovely sponsors, Kale, as you know. Of course. How could we forget about Underdog Fantasy? Play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to 100 dollars 
with promo code OUTSIDERS. Are your season-long fantasy teams floundering? Jackson, I have Damian Harris on my team, so of course they are. Mm -hmm. Play Underdogs Battle Royale, a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000 if you grab first place or try their Pick'em games where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS right now to double your first deposit up to $100. And Jackson's Underdog Pick of the Week is, of course, Pat Fryermuth of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tight ends go off against the Falcons, Kale. Love it. As always, thank you to our friends at Underdog Fans. You want to also shout out FO+. Plus. Hear us cite a lot of stats. You hear us give a lot of insight. You can join in and get just as many resources as we have over at FO+. Plus. You get all our stats. You get all our fantasy info. You get backtracks of all of the football outsiders almanacs you also get all of our betting insight you get our paywalled articles love the all 32 from Derek Klassen every week and for free if you want to chat with the outsiders you can join the fo discord over on footballoutsiders.com highly recommend it one of the best Football resources out there, and one of the best ways to talk with some experts in the game. Jackson. You can really just talk to Kale on Sunday. He'll just be there, and as I am doing right now, you can just face-to-face interact with Kale. He'll tell you about his breakfast. He'll walk you through his, his life plan. All of it is on the table. Listen, you can talk with experts like Aaron Schatz and Brian Nose who will give you valuable insights, or you can talk with me, and I'll tell you, Sunday night football game against the Philadelphia Eagles was just me uh, discussing how funny it would be if this Jordan Love game was the Drew Bledsoe-Tom Brady game just played out much slower. So you get some fun conversation. You get some (laughs) genuine insight from people, including myself occasionally. (laughs) But it's, it's one of the best things I do with my Sundays, breaking it down with the FO community and the rest of our outsiders. Thank you as always for listening to the show. You could check out the VODs over on the YouTube. You can subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts over on the football outsider network for Jackson. I'm Kale. Thanks as always. And we'll see you next week.